Hello, my name is Dwayne Peters, and I'm with the Lupus Foundation of America, which is the founder and owner of the open access journal Lupus Science and Medicine that is managed and published by BMJ. During this program, we will present an overview of the journal and highlight its benefits, the review process for articles submitted to the journal, as well as what the future possibly holds for lupus science and medicine. For this discussion, I am pleased to have as our guest, Dr. Jill Bayan, co-editor-in-chief of Lupus Science and Medicine. Dr. Bayan is professor of medicine at the New York University School of Medicine, director of the Division of Rheumatology at the Langone Medical Center, Hospital for Joint Diseases, and director of the hospital's Lupus Center. Dr. Bayan, welcome to the program, and thank you for taking time to speak with us today. Oh, my pleasure, Dwayne. It's really exciting to talk about lupus science and medicine. Lupus Science and Medicine is now in its sixth year of publication. As the co-editor-in-chief, what do you see as the journal's greatest strengths to date? There are many, and let's just review some of them. This journal focuses solely on lupus, and in some instances, perhaps some permutations thereof, inclusive perhaps of antiphospholipid antibodies, and in patients who may have autoantibodies and not quite meet criteria for lupus. But in the main, the exciting part about this journal is it really covers basic science through the spectrum all the way to even patient-reported outcomes. So this offers the investigators in the field to really apply to a journal that focuses in the main on one disease but covers so many different aspects. I think in one of the great strengths of the journal, is to publish in a timely fashion. One of our main missions is to get out novel, exciting data in a quickly and really to make the whole process seamless and expeditious. So I think those are, you know, really some of the greatest strengths of the journal, its focus, its timeliness in review process. And I would also say it offers the opportunity to publish data that might not be with 20 figures, with everything sewn up, but really to present some novel ideas and run with it in a sense. So we offer many different types of publications, such as full length, brief reports, invited reviews, and sometimes when papers are reviewed, we offer a dialogue that is written by the reviewers of the paper, really giving a perspective to the work. Also, we're interested in protocols that are used in clinical trial or applied to clinical trials and really discussion of issues regarding protocols or sub-studies that come out of maybe a main study. There can be offshoots that might be interesting or a one observation that is exciting. Maybe not every single nuance is done, but it's that one exciting observation or results from a phase one study. Again, we really offer a vast array of opportunities for our authors to think about lupus and publish some of those ideas and experiments or studies that follow. What do you look for when you and the other editors review articles that have been submitted to the journal for publication? We look for novelty. Of course, that's always exciting. We look for maybe this is something that confirmed a prior finding. We look for a study to be done to the best ability that it can be done. And of course, we think about the readership. What would the readership get out of spending the time in their busy day to read the article? And I think in some respects, that's what drives a lot of our decision making about 
the appropriateness of the submission. Can you explain the review process? How does that work? Who is involved? And perhaps what is the average length of time before an article will appear online? The review process here is not unlike other journals, although I'd like to pride ourselves in really pushing the process as quickly as possible. I think the submitters really appreciate that. So a paper comes in and it is assigned either to myself or to Dr. Von Von Holden, my co-editor. And this is done basically on every other situation. So it's not like all the European articles or non-U.S. go to him or U.S. to myself. It's all mixed up and it's really every other. So that's totally random, unless, of course, there's a conflict of interest between the two of us. Then upon receipt, I generally read the cover letter, of course, and, and the abstract, sometimes the paper, even at the very beginning, and often will then call upon one of our several associate editors, each of them with an expertise chosen really based on what we think are the kinds of submissions that come in. I'll then write to the associate editor, often myself even suggesting potential reviewers, or I will share the impression that perhaps the paper is not appropriate for our journal and we really don't want to spend the time sending it out because we don't think it will achieve highest priority. And I would make the point that a unilateral decision that a paper would not reach priority is not made by me. I will often engage my co-editor and for sure in all instances engage the associate editor. So these are not unilateral decisions when it comes to a decision not to send it out for a review. Once the paper is assigned to the associate editor, very quickly thereafter, the paper is assigned to external reviewers. On occasion, a paper may be decided upon just by myself, co-editor, and the associate editor. For example, a letter might be such a situation. An invited review might be such a situation. A dialogue would be for sure such a situation. So at the point at which it goes to the associate editor, quickly then choices are made to send out to reviewers. I prefer that at least three or even four and sometimes five reviewers are chosen because, again, this saves time. We require, in most cases, two reviews per submission, but that can vary. Sometimes we need to arbitrate. Other times we may have such an outstanding review that one may suffice. So there is some variability there. We then basically give two weeks to the reviewers to submit their reviews. And one of the things I take great pride on in this journal is the reviewers are generally very thorough, really not taking this lightly, but putting a lot of effort into the review, which in my opinion has been almost invariably outstanding and in many cases has taught me quite a bit about uh, specific areas of lupus. Once those reviews come in, it's turned back to the associate editor, who then makes a decision. It's then sent to me. I will review it very quickly and then make a decision. Sometimes I'll have a dialogue back and forth to myself and the associate editor. But one point I'd like to make that I think puts us in a somewhat different situation than many traditional journals is there are no limits to the number of revisions that we may ask for. So in some journals, you get one shot and that's it for a revision and you're done. That's not the case for lupus science and medicine. We've had many iterations of papers. Sometimes papers come in where the ideas are fantastic, but the execution could use some advice. And we've had reviewers who really 
helped lay out manuscripts to improve their presentation, improve the science. And really, our mantra and mission is that we want the optimal study based on what the data are available. And so we work really hard to improve the manuscripts working with the authors themselves. And I think this is somewhat unique. And in the end, the product we feel is really the best it can be. And this has been very well received by authors who understand sometimes iterations may take three or four tries to really get it to the way we think it would be best presented to our readership. I think that makes it somewhat unique. What pleases you most about the journal and how it has evolved over these past six years? As we've had submissions increase, that brings me a lot of satisfaction. I really cherish receiving our bites of interesting information where I know perhaps a paper could have been sent to another journal. It comes to us. And I think it really pleases me when the reviewers take part in the studies, in a sense. And the fact that the reviewers can get excited about the work and really spend the time to review, that's very gratifying. And I would also mention that when I get a really outstanding review, I invite them to write a dialogue. And that's a lot of fun. And when the reviewers get that opportunity to publish it's not verbatim, of course, their reviews, but to work with the other reviewer and co-author a paper that is driven by the initial study and then come up with a product that kind of addresses it or any other interesting tangential work, I think that that is great. And that's one of the exciting things I've liked about the journal is that we're somewhat liberal about it. And I would also say that there have been times when, look, any editor can make an error, I suppose, in judgment with regard to rejection of a paper. And we've really had an open policy. If an author feels that the decisions have been made inappropriately, we're pretty open about reconsideration, should it be warranted. And I have to say, that in the six years of the journal, I've had almost no authors really become concerned, upset about decisions that were made. And I think that's actually pretty gratifying. If I may ask you to look into your crystal ball, please tell me what you believe the future holds for lupus science and medicine. First mission is to acquire an impact factor. And we are working very hard to do that. I think that everyone understands that it can influence submission of papers. So I'd like to see us come in with an impact factor. I don't want to give a number. I don't want to jinx anything, but I think that would be extremely important. And in the future, I see this journal as the go-to for lupus research that is probably sort of a niche audience. I think very large studies and phase three and four, more definitive studies, they'll always go perhaps to general medical audiences. But I'd like to see lupus science and medicine the go-to place for studies that are a little bit more niche-oriented, but rather than going to general rheumatology journals, that the step after the New England Journal of Medicine, Lancet, Annals of Internal Medicine, might come to us because we would be considered a premier and competitive journal, and that a journal that everybody would want to have on their TV. It's also exciting going to meetings, and despite the fact that we don't yet have an impact factor, when you go to meetings in lupus, I would say 20%, maybe even 30% of the new findings that are presented at meetings, you'll see under that little logo, lupus science and medicine. And that says that early tentative work, perhaps risky work, we're a good journal to place that. And with the kind of reviews we have, I just see this journal is going to garner more and more interest and fill a serious need. Because lupus is out there, it comes up in our everyday living, and 
the relationship to COVID is just another illustration of where our journal can be at the ready to accept and publish very new and sometimes controversial findings in the field. I want to thank Dr. Jill Bion, co-editor-in-chief of Lupus Science and Medicine and director of the Lupus Center at the Langone Medical Center Hospital for Joint Diseases in New York City. We want to thank you for taking time today to speak with us about the journal. As I said, when you go to a meeting which is dedicated to timely issues, it's just remarkable how often you see accredited to lupus science and medicine as that's where the work is published. For more information about lupus science and medicine, please go online to lupus.bmj.com. Thank you for listening.